Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024, you heard me? Woo woo! Wah! Gangsters! The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's gonna be man nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody, nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up, you heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be, because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio program. Remember the podcast, Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite material. I think you're really going to like it. It's just super easy to take with you wherever you go and uh, and join our army. Two million downloads strong on our way to three. So thank you. We we so appreciate you. You know, I lived in New York for one year. And if I were to tell you it was a great experience, I'd be lying to you. The fact of the matter is I was broke and it was my first job out of graduate school. It was a big deal. I got hired out of 1500 people. I got hired to, to be a traveling reporter for American journal, which was a sister show to inside edition. And so our station, our company headquarters, King world productions was at 76th and first. And I found a five, a fifth floor walk up, a studio, tiny, up the street at 81st in York. And I made $32,000 a year. 1994. After taxes, after all of this stuff was taken out of my pay, I had $800 every two weeks. $800 to pay the rent. That's what I paid. That was a steal. And $800 a month for utilities, for food, for everything. I could not have done it. I had to sell my car in order to pay for the trip. Meaning, I moved myself. It wasn't part of the deal. Now, the good, good part about this job was that I traveled. So I went all around the country. I got to see beautiful places. I got to see Cheyenne, Wyoming. I get to go and, and see Carmel in Monterey, California. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was in Daytona Beach, Florida. We were all over the country. And when I was on the road, I could eat whatever I wanted. When I got back home for the last two weeks of the month, I had to scrape by and it was tough. And I relied on care packages from my parents from Hickory Farms. Swear to God. So my feelings about New York, it's the ultimate place if you have money. But when you don't, 
It is a very difficult place. It's got all of those things, and you're the, the person proverbially standing through the, outside the glass with your nose pressed against it, looking in, knowing that it ain't yours. What's happening now, though, is the systematic push of big business, of historic family-owned business, of industry leaving New York. And it's heartbreaking. You couple that with this influx of people, a hundred and what, 40,000 in just the last year that Greg Abbott is, has bust, shipped, flown, whatever the hell he's done to get them out of Texas. And he sent them to New York. And you see the New York government, Kathy Hochul, Eric Adams, all of the machinations of Democrat suck give preference to strangers who have not been vetted, who have not contributed to this country, who may or may not, I don't know, but all at the detriment of the citizens. You have MS-13 gang members now going toe-to-toe with Venezuelan gangs because those people have been allowed to cross the border. And then hanging dangerously in the balance is just the fabric of common sense life for people who used to love the state. This is, this is a direct slap in the face to Letitia James, who, who boasted that the, the verdict for Donald Trump and her prosecution of him for a crime that didn't happen to victims who don't exist wasn't changing the bottom line of New York City. She's wrong. And I get the, I've got this for you headline, New York Village losing its soul as the nation's oldest gun manufacturer flees blue state for Georgia. This is the Remington Gun Factory. These people have been there for more than 200 years. Do, do you know what a loss? I mean, I remember... When the General Motors plant in Lordstown, Ohio, stopped everything and the community became a ghost town. Restaurants closed, barbershops closed. And now there's a figment of its former self. You have a business that is the heartbeat of a zip code and it decides to leave. That's no small potatoes, Ms. James. The Remington Gun Factory, nestled in New York's Mohawk Valley, is ready to shutter its doors and move to Georgia after more than 200 years in the Empire State. 208 years of history gone, said the mayor of Ilion, New York. I hope I pronounced that right. I just tried it. Let me hear. I'm even going to bring it up and see if I can make sure I can pronounce this right. Here we go. Ready? Ilian. Okay, Ilian. I got it now. (laughs) So this business that has been here forever and ever and ever, it's not tenable anymore. We don't want to be here. Taxes are too high. You don't represent our values. It's punitive. See you later. We're going to go to a red state where the taxes are better, where the people are nicer, where the streets are safer, where it feels like the America we used to know. Isn't that the story? You're seeing a split. And the people who are stuck back in the suck 
are being flushed down the toilet with the zip codes. Remington is the nation's oldest gun manufacturer. And they told union officials late last year the company chiefs at Rem Arms, the current version of Remington Arms, made the decision to end its New York manufacturing starting next month. The remaining operations located there will move to Georgia, where company leaders say the firearms industry is supported and welcomed. Full stop. That's it. This is not a difficult concept. I am not going to beat my head against the wall anymore. It is not worth it. We are willing to close up and go through the hassle of packing everything we have and moving it south to Florida because we believe the opportunity there is worth the risk. And we don't even see a risk. Residents of the New York Village, which is located roughly 230 miles northwest of New York City, obviously are devastated. They're bracing for the manufacturer to officially move. And they say it's going to take the town's identity with it. When Remington leaves, it's not going to be like a facility leaving. It's going to be like part of your family has, has moved off said a gentleman who used to work at Remington, began his career there in 1964. And this gentleman who's quoted, he works there, his wife works there, his daughters work there, his son-in-law worked there, and his parents worked there. Done. Over. The closure of the New York location will result in about 300 people losing their jobs in a town of roughly 7,600. Also, it's going to be a million dollars in lost revenue. See, Letitia James, in her rabid tunnel vision, in her one goal and one goal only mentality to destroy Donald Trump, why? Why? I'd love to ask her, what, what, what is it? Really? You really think he's bad for America? You really think he's bad for business? You really think a man who has built his own global empire is bad for America? What happened to you, Letitia? Every single door was opened. They fell over themselves to give you the opportunity and still you suck. And the ripple effect isn't just going to be in Manhattan. It's not just going to be on Wall Street. When these businesses move, the tax base shrinks, the services are still necessary. How is it going to be affordable to be a New Yorker and live in New York? These decisions from Judge Engeron or others, Tanya Chutkin. They don't operate in a vacuum. Trump derangement syndrome is not a defense for doing things that hurt everybody. And this is what you get from Barack Obama's transformation, don't you know? When we come back, I have this it's not just, by the way, it's not just New York. I got something for you in Chicago, Illinois. 
California. How many red states are getting flushed? Or blue states, rather. Listen to this next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Look, this destruction of, of beautiful, historic cities in this country that are traditionally historically Democrat run. It, it is breathtaking. I'm not sitting here thinking this is funny. It's tragic. It's tragic. I want you to hear this news report. This is from Chicago. And it, this is, follows on the heels of every business that has left, say, San Francisco. It's now ridiculous. What does Charles Barkley say? You can't even go and walk around there anymore. It's so freaking unsafe. Well, Chicago is the same. New York is on its way. Listen to this. Food restaurants are closing their doors. This news came abruptly. It shocked area residents. It's left them concerned about the future of the local economy. Casey Crohn is live with the latest. Casey. Don and Scott, all three KFC restaurants are owned by the same franchisee. The move comes as a disappointment to neighbors and also one local alderman who tells me he was blindsided by those closures. The restaurants are located at 83rd and King Drive in Chatham, where renovations have been underway for several months. Now progress has stopped. The windows and doors boarded up. Also in Grand Crossing, the KFC at 75th and Lafayette will no longer serve of customers and in Bronzeville the chain at 35th and Calumet has been shuttered this comes less than one month after the movie theater cinema Chatham shut down sixth ward alderman William Hall tells me these closures are a loss for the community leaving employees out of work and corners vacant what's well, it entire six war my frustration is your frustration we said the same frustration I live here I don't want to see abandonment. I don't want to see vacancy just like you. Uh, working hard with corporations. Um, we have some challenging times, however. We want to, again, look to the future. Um, hopefully we find or reimagine our corner, even if it means tearing down that KFC and building a new business. But we're not going to stop until that vacancy is filled. They feel blindsided? How do you feel blindsided? You're Democrats. You voted for this crap. Did you not look in your in your crystal ball and see Unsafe streets, rampant drug use, crime that goes unpunished. Who wants to go there? And so this alderman, he's like, "Ah, I'm going to fight. No, you're not, bro. You're not going to fight because you're part of the problem. It's not working. How about this headline? New York Post. New York loses $1 trillion in Wall Street business as firms flee the city. Why are they leaving? What is the common denominator? Well, you know, it's the fundamental difference between conservatives and liberals. Conservatives believe in your ability to run your life. They believe the government should stay the hell out of it. They believe that you shouldn't be burdened by outrageous taxes and that a small government that is representative of the people is preferred over a bloated bureaucracy. How about liberals? They believe they should meddle in every daggone thing that you do. They create rules and regulations and taxes and forms and busy work and all sorts of that stuff to bog you down, to break you so that you're finally at that point where you say, I'm done. 
Just you take over. You run my life for me. I'll never say that. Ever. Ever. A trillion dollars. A a giant sucking sound. As we speak, is coming out of Wall Street. It is siphoning, staggering sums of money out of the Big Apple while handing business to Florida and to, to Tennessee and to the Carolinas and to Texas. T, trillion, trillion dollars. Nearly 160 Wall Street firms have moved their headquarters out of New York since the end of 2019 taking nearly a trillion dollars in assets under management with them. This is according to data from 17,000 companies. And this was compiled by Bloomberg. Or is, is this, is anybody out there going, oh, I mean, the trillion dollars is giant, but this is a government that willy nilly will spend three and a half trillion on a, on a faux emergency that they fan the flames to freak you out and spend more money that we don't have. These are the same people who think that the check to Ukraine should be limitless. Don't even sign it. Don't fill it in or sign it, but don't fill it in. We'll tell you what we need. Are you guys really down with that? This exodus, you're going to see the people left in these blue cities burdened, taxed into oblivion. Does Letitia James not see that? They don't care. They don't care. That is undeniable. So when we come back, we got to talk about this playbook, this whole threat to democracy. If Donald Trump wins, it'll be the last election we ever have. Really? Because that's so familiar. And we're going to take you back to 1948. You guys heard of Mike Benz? Because you're going to hear from him coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program, my friends. We are, as always, thrilled to spend time with you. Now, this is one of those reasons why I strongly suggest you join our Locals page, Locals.com. Search Wendy Bell Radio and you will find us. Uh, you do not have to pay anything to be a part of it. But what we do is for those who do want to contribute something, we share something very special. And that is the rundown of every single show. Every link that I talk about, every resource that we have been digging through to find for you, every interview, all of it at your fingertips, all of the links there at Wendy Bell Radio on our locals page. Now, did you see Mike Benz? He is the executive director of this place called the Foundation for Freedom. And he is a world book encyclopedia. I mean, he's crazy. He, he's not crazy. He's very smart and knowledgeable. And he's known for doing these videos. It looks like he lives in Florida. And he does these videos where he just walks around and he just has like 10, 15 minute conversations about something that totally makes your face melt off. And this particular one we're going to play for you is, um, and this is all piggybacking off of his sit-down interview with Tucker Carlson. It was an hour and eight minutes, and we've put that link on our Locals page for you guys to, to get there. It is truly one of those things where you have to have no distractions because there's so much information. But he said something in a video posted yesterday that we thought was very interesting. And it was in a rebuttal to this 
Liz Cheney's statement. You got all these different people on the left uh, who are parroting the same idea about this threat to democracy, that Donald Trump represents an existential threat to democracy. They don't even know what that means. They just know that it's what they've been told to say. And Liz Cheney got the talking points as a pretend Republican. But we know who she is. And and she's been saying this. She started saying this around the holidays and it's continuing. And the Daily Beast right now, I've got a headline. Liz Cheney warns, et cetera, that uh, Donald Trump's reelection would be a threat to democracy. This Mike Benz who is excruciatingly knowledgeable about geopolitics and about history, takes us back to the formation of the CIA and to the first time that the CIA meddled in an election. It wasn't here. It was in Italy, he says. And he says, this is a dirty playbook that we know very, very well. He claims this attack on democracy, calling Donald Trump a dictator, an authoritarian, claims that this is going to be the last election if Donald Trump wins, is very purposeful. And if you recognize it by being aware of history, it is less likely to con you into believing it. Listen to Mike Benz. Go. Well, we're trying to play it. We got some audio. This attack on democracy, dictator, authoritarian thing. And especially this framing of it being the last election if we don't stop it. Now, you have to recognize the trick here and go all the way back to the beginning. The framing techniques they're using right now are the same ones used in 1948 at the very dawn of the creation of the Central Intelligence Agency to create a predicate for dirty tricks. I'll talk about what those dirty tricks are going to be, but just a quick history lesson here. Uh, the, the CIA was created under the Nas- 1947 National Security Act, and the very first thing it did to rig an election overseas was to rig the 1948 Italian election, which was the first democratic election after World War II, you know, after Mussolini had been, had been gored, and, and suddenly Italy was torn between a Euro-Atlanticist Western-backed political candidate for president and a Soviet-backed communist-sympathetic president. And the, and the Central Intelligence Agency, with support from the State Department and certain private interests and, and certain interests within Italy itself, ranging from the Sicilian mob, who our, our national security state had partnered with because they were persecuted by, by Mussolini. So, the, so, so Italian street muscle was used as a sort of uh, makeshift resistance movement within Italy. We kept those networks with, with, the, with the underground and with media institutions and propaganda institutions. We, we bribed, cajoled, stuffed ballot boxes, the whole, the whole dirty, dirty works that you could possibly do. And uh, George Kennan wrote, he's one of the godfathers of the CIA, he wrote a memo after this happened. It's called The Inauguration of Organized Political Warfare, published later that year in 1948, where he explains the logic of it and, and basically you know, writes a letter essentially to the intelligence community saying, listen, we're in the, we're in the business of dirty tricks now after World War II has, has, uh, has, uh, has ended because if we don't do dirty tricks, the Bolsheviks will, and these dirty tricks work. And he goes on to explain that the, the, the problem was is if the communist candidate had won the presidency there in Italy, then there would be no elections in Italy again, possibly. 
So we had to rig this one. Mm. We had to stuff ballot boxes. We had to work with the mob to bust up any, uh, any pro-Soviet uh, meetings that were happening in Italy. We had to use street muscle. We had to go dirty, dirty, dirty using CIA tricks to rig the election because it might be the last election ever if we don't. So there is the story going back, what, 80 years almost? 70 odd years? To one of the first things the CIA did was to go meddle with and basically steal an election. And to do so under that do-goodery, right? Which is so baked into everything the progressive movement of suck is all about. This overarching emotion drive, right? If you can't win on facts because what you're doing factually is lunacy, well, you've got to create this, oh, but we're such good people. We, we've got to do this because if we don't, then blank. It's very narcissistic. It's gross, right? And he talks about these street mobs. You need to have these thugs. And by the way, one more time, the word thug is not only about certain kinds of people. Thuggish behavior does not know a racial description. But what is he talking about with these, these like goons who helped them? What's Black Lives Matter? What's Antifa? What are these rogue groups? Jane's Revenge. Ruth sent us, right? That's what this is. It is the same playbook from just after the war. And they're bringing it out yet again. And they have. It's the only one they have. Mike Benz, you're listening to Mike Benz. He is the executive director of the Foundation for Freedom, a scholar And he says this, this was their predicate for fraud, creating the illusion that if we don't act now, then all democracy is going to be lost. And isn't that so familiar? Go. So it was a predicate used to establish a protocol around doing things that you're not normally allowed to do in an election cycle. If someone poses an existential threat to, you know, the 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 system of of governance that they call democracy. Now, we saw this happen in 2020. For example, the Transition Integrity Project, which was this, uh, you know, 65 person, hugely influential group of people. This included Donna Brazil, the former head of, of the DNC, Michael Steele, the former head of the RNC. So the two most recent heads of both major political parties as well as about 60-some officials from the Department of Defense, the Department of State, the intelligence community, and then other cluster networks around everything from journalism to to champions of industry. And they had a role-play simulation about how to overturn the 2020 election. This is in June 2020, five months before the election happened, about how they could overturn the election if Trump won to save democracy and make sure that he would not be able to have a second term. This is, they had simulation three. I've posted this a million times, but I'll put it in the thread below. They did four simulations. In simulation number three, John Podesta personally played a role-playing role of Joe Biden. John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager and now runs the largest pot of money in the entire federal government, a $370 billion slush fund for energy project projects. He personally role-played the role of Joe Biden 
And what did they do? It was in this role play. It was dirty tricks. The, the simulation went as follows. If Trump won a, a, quote, clear victory at the Electoral College, but had lost the popular vote, they were going to mobilize Black Lives Matter street muscle. They wrote this. Mobilize Black Lives Matter street muscle and use their anger to, to essentially become a pro-Biden anarcho-tyranny force that would shut down the country as a color revolution does in Serbia or in Tunisia or as the CIA organizes abroad. Doesn't it make sense? Now, there's a lot going on there. Mike Benz, B-E-N-Z, one of these people you need to follow. Because it all makes sense, of course, this role-playing. So five months before the election in June of 2020, they've got it all laid out. How is this different than Event 201 by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Pfizer and the World Economic Forum doing a pandemic training, a pandemic preparedness response, such and such. This was, if I'm not mistaken, October of 2020, right before COVID. Isn't it so gross when you go back in time and you see how you can connect the dots and, and they're not even ashamed to hide it. They put it out there in front of you so you can see it because they're so damn confident that they're going to get away with it. Which is why what Donald Trump said when speaking with Laura Ingram yesterday at that South Carolina town hall, what do you do about mail-in ballot fraud? We've got to outdo them. We have to out-hustle them. We have to out-stuff them. Is that what this has come to? Feels like it. I mean, honestly, does anybody out there truly, if you're being, if you're being intellectually honest, does anybody out there really think that Joe Biden won? J- Joe Biden, who can't fill a room, who, who can't, Walk up the steps. Another tragic episode yesterday of him losing to the short steps on on Air Force One. Does anybody actually believe there was some kind of, of fervor for that guy? Of course not. It was planned. It was planned using the same tool book, the same guidebook, the same high school musical that I talk about so commonly. Because you know all of the acts. When we come back on this program. So for for 2024, they obviously need the propaganda. They need the mouthpieces to go out with this threat to democracy. It's an existential threat. If Donald Trump wins, we'll never have another election. Well, just right on cue. Those people step forward into the spotlight. I got it for you next. So what did Mike Benz, the executive director for the Foundation for Freedom and a walking world book encyclopedia, just tell us? Well, we've been cheating and stealing and meddling in elections, not just here in the United States, but all over the world, dating back to 1948. And the story has not changed. The method has not changed. Well, the method has in some degree. But the predicate that you need is democracy threat. Oh, my gosh. Tyranny, dictatorship, authoritarian. (gasps) He's going to want revenge, retribution. Ah. 
And so when you get that or you create that illusion that somehow is supposed to give you an A-OK green light to go suck and stuff ballot boxes and pay people off and just do everything that honest people wouldn't do. And this has been going on for years and years and years. We have three mouthpieces pushing this narrative forward on the left. You're going to know all of them. We've got Jamie Raskin. He's talking to CNN. You've got uh, Dan Goldman. He's a congressman of suck. He's talking to Anderson Cooper. Nancy Pelosi is sitting down with Circleback Pisaki. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy being able to hear the same dog whistle from these people. Here is Jamie Raskin lying as only Jamie Raskin can. This is all part of a propaganda and disinformation campaign by Russia (laughs) attempting to help Donald Trump. And, you know, when we point out the very clear contours of this story, our colleagues just start chanting Russia hoax, Russia hoax. Well, what's the hoax? Is it the uh, the brutal invasion of Ukraine and the tens of thousands of Ukrainians who've died or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Russians who've died? Is it the death of Navalny that's the hoax? What exactly is the hoax they're talking about? Um, Because it seems to me that the most likely hoax is really Donald Trump, who's been manipulated uh, by (laughs) Putin for a long time or is certainly in love with Vladimir Putin. You know, he's whipping himself up into this frenzy. But again, you got to have a booga, 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 right? Threat to democracy, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin. They're together. They're working together. You can feel it. Right. But he's got to ice it with the emotion. Well, well, I mean, are you okay with all these people dying in war? Are you really okay with that guy who who died in custody? Are you okay? Because I'm not okay. Okay, put a sock in it, Jamie. He needs a haircut, too, or his do-rag back. All right, here we go. Dan Goldman. Dan Goldman, he fancies some kind of life for himself in Democrat politics. Here he is telling um, Anderson Cooper that uh, there's Biden is clean. He's squeaky, my man. He is so squeaky. It's Trump, 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 who's dirty. And my goodness, there's got to be something that that uh, Putin knows that he's, he's using against Donald Trump. Listen. Not only is there no evidence of any wrongdoing by President Biden, but it now appears as if the House Republican majority is being used by Russia to interfere in the 2024 election (laughs) on behalf of Donald Trump. If they continue with this investigation, they are simply doing the work of Vladimir Putin to help Donald Trump win an election in November. That's where we are. What investigation are we talking about? That's pretty big, I think. If they continue, I can only assume. Now, I'm presuming. I do not know. But this investigation, he could be talking about digging into to Joe Biden. He could be talking about the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and his Biden crime family syndicate of suck, right? He could be talking about that. He could be talking about uh, Alexander Smirnov. He is the confidential human source that was on the FBI payroll who alerted the feds to the $10 million bribe from Burisma. Well, he's testifying today. He might be talking about that. He might be talking about James Biden. James Biden is supposed to be testifying today as well. So he could be talking about anything. But what did he have to talk about? But Joe Biden is perfectly fine. Pay attention over here. It's Putin and it's Trump. And they're doing it again. Well, that was all a CIA concocted scam, Dan. Um, We we know that. You should know that. I'm I'm sure you do. But it gets iced, and it's great when you get pterodactyl hands here. Nancy Pelosi. And she's got to talk. Oh, with Jen Psaki. 
There's got to be some kind of a blackmail going on. He's got to have naked pictures on Donald Trump. Because I tell you what, Donald Trump is such a Putin puppet. They are going to try to steal this election, she says. Listen to insanity. Go. Putin is probably the richest person in the world. Probably the richest person in the world. Forget all these ratings that people have. The richest person in the mm-hmm. world. He's also the most, well, not the most evil, stiff competition for that honor, but nonetheless uh, <laughs> among the t- top three or four most evil people in the world. What does he have on Donald Trump that he have to constantly be catering to Putin? Donald Trump owns them. He lives in their minds. They can't get away. They are obsessed. Obsessed. And the harder they try, the more they fail, the more quickly they fail, the more everybody else awakens, the stronger President Trump is in all of the polling, and the more obvious it appears the path to victory is. So part of this whole exercise that we're going through together is hearing these voices, these Mike Benz guys, right? Tucker in and sitting down with Vladimir Putin. You get to hear from him yourself. You get to decide. You hear what they are saying. But whenever I hear that pants on fire, oh my gosh, we have to hurry up. It's for the greater good now. You've got to pass it to see what's in it. Don't waste any time. Act now. Bomb Yemen, right? All these wacky voices all over the political map demanding something immediate. The minute I start hearing them go haywire, (laughs) that's when I know the con is on and they're trying with the worst kind of salespeople to pitch it to you, to our students in colleges and universities, all over the place. But we hear it and we understand it. That's called winning, my friends. All right, hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program. You know, Ukraine is a clown show. I just got to say it. And uh, one thing happened there yesterday. And that underscores everything. We should give nothing ever to that guy. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.